0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Have you read The Pilgrim's Progress? Show of hands, have you read The Pilgrim's Progress? Uh, then you know um, the Pilgrim's Progress uh, progress is an, is an allegory written by John Bunyan, who was in prison in Bedford, England, for preaching the gospel without a license. And it portrays a pilgrim, you know the story, it portrays a pilgrim named Christian who was fleeing the city of destruction, and he was on his way to the celestial city, And an evangelist pointed him through the gate and he came to the cross. And while he was pilgriming, he met Hopeful. Hopeful and Christian are journeying down the road and they strayed off the path and they came upon an old field and they laid down and they went to sleep. And this field was near a castle called Doubting Castle. And the owner of the castle was named Giant Despair. Are you listening? And giant despair went out for his morning walk and found hopeful and Christian sleeping on his property. And he woke them up and he said, what are you doing on my property? And they said, Oh, sir, we're on our way to the celestial kingdom. And we wandered off the path and we fell asleep. And he said, now you're mine. And he grabbed them and threw them in doubting castle. And while discouraged, sitting in doubting castle, hopeful, reminded Christian of the key in his pocket, and the key is the promises of God. Somebody say amen, and they took the key out, and they put it in the door, and they opened the door, and they fled out of Doubting Castle, and giant despair was in hot pursuit after them, and he fell on his face, and they escaped. Well, if you've been with us on Wednesday evening, you know that Saul is chasing David with 3,000 trained special forces. David has been running from pillar to post with 600 in debt, distressed, and discontent men. Chapter 21, David was in Nob, and from Nob, he went to Gath. Gath is a Philistine city. We're gonna talk more about that tonight. From Gath to hiding in the cave of Adullam, from the cave of Adullam to the forest of Hareth, from the forest of Hareth to Keilah, from Keilah to the wilderness of Ziph, and from the wilderness back into the caves. Saul was chasing David around a mountain, and David went into the caves of, this time, in gedi While in the cave, David had the chance to kill Saul. But David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And anybody know what he did? He cut off the corner of his robe. Later, Samuel dies. David doesn't attend a funeral for fear of Saul. Look at chapter 26. Saul and his men are escaped into the hill of, look at verse 1, chapter 26, verse 1. Saul and his men are escaped into the hill of Helkalah, and David and Abishai sneak into the camp. You can just peruse chapter 6 with me. Uh, David and Abishai sneak into the camp, and Saul and Abner, his commander, are sleeping, and David steals Saul's spear and a jug of water. Look at right around verse 10, 11, steals a spear and a jug of water. And again, David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he wouldn't touch the Lord's anointed. Now, up to this point, saints, listen, David has been trusting and believing the promises of God. David has been trusting that God would take care of him and that he would take care of Saul. But up to this point, David had been careful to be obedient. He had been submissive and forgiving of his enemies, keeping his eye on God, even when others said do something different. I think of Galatians chapter six. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Y'all come on, read it. with. Since you turn there, you might as well read it with me. Come on, read it with me. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Here in chapter 27, go back to Samuel, if you will, with me. Here in chapter 27, David has grown weary. He's exhausted. He's tired. David has been running from Saul for eight chapters. Scholars tell us these eight chapters are approximately 10 years. That's a long time running. And sometimes you just get fed up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you get tired and you get exhausted and you get sick and tired, then that can lead to discouragement, depression, and despair. And unfortunately, faltering faith. We see it over and over in the scriptures. Abraham, Elijah, Moses, John the B, Peter, Dowling Thomas, you know, Mary and Martha. They said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I think of the father with the demon-possessed boy. Jesus said, if you believe all, the, all things are possible, Lord, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Many great godly men and women find themselves depressed, discouraged, and doubting God. And if you're in that company, listen to me, it doesn't mean you're less spiritual. It doesn't mean you're half a Christian. It means you're normal. You're normal. Tonight, David is in Doubting Castle. I'll tell you more in just a second. I've titled this sermon, When Faith Falters. 1 Samuel chapter 27, Saints. We pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say amen. And David said in his heart, underline that. He said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than... That I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. And then David arose and he went over. He arose and he went over with the six hundred men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maac, the king of Gath. And so David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household, and David and his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? And so Achish gave him, what saints? Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag had become, belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months or 16 months. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. I've been telling you, pretty much weekly, that victory is a moment-by-moment thing. In other words, you can kill giants today, pray today, walk in the spirit today. You can have great victory today, but if you don't stay in the spirit and keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll lose the battle tomorrow. Well, chapter 27, David, listen, did you get this out of that reading? David is losing the battle. It's interesting because if you look back, I want you to go back with me to chapter 26. Now y'all stay with me, stay awake, all right? Say amen. amen. Now go to chapter 26 and look at verse 24. David said in verse 24, and indeed as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me. Out of all tribulation, interesting, one chapter ago, or a few verses ago, if you will, David says, God's going to take care of me. God is for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ because he strengthened me. God is good. My life is in his hands. God will deliver me from Saul. And now, did you get this in chapter 27? Now, David says, in his heart. I'm going to die. You see that? Saul's going to kill me. Now, I want to deal with verse 1, and we're going to take verse 1 apart, okay? Notice, first of all, David said, in his heart. Maybe he may have never said it out loud. Maybe he never said it to anyone else. Maybe he never said it to God, but he said it in his heart. Now, the fact that he said it in his heart And it's in the scriptures tells us that God knows what's going on in your heart. Am I right about it? God knows what's going on. God can see through you like glass. You ain't hiding nothing. God can see through you like glass. David said this in his heart. Now, y'all know that I'm not one of those, you know, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Word, faith guys. I'm not that guy. Uh, I'm not the believe it, receive it guy. Speak it into existence guy. But I do believe, listen, that there are power in our words. I do believe that. I'm not the name it, claim Honestly, I think that's the extreme. The name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, believe it, receive it. Uh, If you want it, it's yours. Uh, speak it into existence and if you say it long enough I want a pink polka dot Cadillac if I say it long enough I'll get it that's the extreme but I do believe there is power in our words there is power in what you say even in your heart there is power in what comes out of your mouth Proverbs 23 verse 7 for as he thinks in his heart so is he Matthew fifteen seventeen through eighteen, Jesus said, "Do you not understand what, what, that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth comes from where saints, the heart, and they what defile a man?" Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." David is tired. David is discouraged. And he starts saying and listening to his heart. Listen, all kind of stuff happens when you start listening to your heart. We talked about it on Sunday, didn't we? We're talking about human wisdom versus divine wisdom. Human wisdom says, listen to your heart. Divine wisdom says, don't listen to your heart because your heart is wicked. Human wisdom says, oh, they have a good heart. Oh, they have a good heart. Bless a heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I think it's cute. Bless your heart. Not heart. Whore. Bless your heart. I know what you mean. And I know the sentiment. But the Bible doesn't say we have a good heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. There you go. Desperate, not just wicked. The Bible says our hearts are. Desperately wicked, not just bad, but desperately wicked. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. The heart is deceitful above all things. And what saints? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mark chapter 7, verse 21, if you're taking notes. For from within, out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lewdness and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. David started listening to his heart, and that's the the problem. You get into a lot of trouble when you start being led. Listen to me. When you start being led by your heart, human wisdom, divine wisdom. The world says, am I right about it? The world says, well, just be led by your heart. Whatever your heart says, be led by your heart. Do you know how unbiblical that is and how dangerous that is? Well, just be led by your heart. Just whatever your heart says, you know, follow your heart. Just, sweetie, follow your heart. Well, I, you know what? I want to get married. Well, follow your heart. Whatever your heart says. No, 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 no. God gave us a brain. Somebody say amen. God gave us his spirit. Somebody say amen. He, the spirit of God we're to be led by and the brain that we have. Those two together and the word of God. Three, we arrive at the wisdom of God. Amen, amen. Be led by your heart. You wouldn't get married. Be led by your heart. No. I say, you want to get married? First thing to think about J O B. And maybe I'm a father, so shoot me. <laughs> Fellas, where you at? <laughs> Daddies, where you at? Daddy's with girls, where you at? J-O-B. Write it down. I ain't talking about the book of Job, either. I'm I'm going to preach. You just sit right there. Well, we think about having a baby. We're going to have a baby. You know what I say? M-A-R-R-Y. Mary. Don't be led by your heart. We're to be led by the spirit. And when you're letting your heart lead, that might get you in a lot of trouble. It did David. David is all in his feelings right now. Look at verse one again. I told you we're going to take it apart. David said in his heart, I shall perish someday by Saul's hand. Come on, David, the dramatics. I'm going to die. Okay, listen. Listen. David is in this place of despair for a few reasons. Number one, listening to his heart. Number two, overuse of the word I. Now at step one toe, say out your amen. I feel like I'm going to perish. I can't go on. I feel like God's forgotten me. I feel like you don't care. I feel is one of our favorite phrases. You know, God is trying to teach David to set his sights a little higher than I. David will learn real quick. The only thing that's true is God's word, not your feelings. I'll wait while you clap your hands, not your feelings. Another thing, I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, in just a year, about a year and a half, Saul's going to be dead, killed by an Amalekite. David will begin to ascend to the throne. In just about a year and a half, David is close to the culmination of a long training process. And we have to remember that it's God, as I try to bring to the pulpit each Wednesday, it is God who is taking David through this trial. This is training for David. This is training. This is preparation time for David. Chapter 18, actually through chapter 21, David begins to go through this period of prep work by God as God always prepares the vessels he uses. And God doesn't use unprepared vessels. So everything that that David is going through is God's handiwork. It's difficult and hard because David, keep in mind, David hadn't read 1 and 2 Samuel. Amen. So he doesn't know. Well, let's move forward just a little bit on verse one. David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me. Y'all looking at verse one. There's nothing better for me than to go speedily to the land of the Philistines. Now, somebody tell me, how does that make sense? Here's the rule. If you're going to make a bad decision, don't make it fast. Amen. <laughs> hey I'm just trying to help. I'm your pastor. I love you. If you're going to make a bad decision, don't make it fast. Listen, David was so discouraged, he decided to leave Israel and live among the idol worshiping Philistines rather than trust God in the land of promise. So in other words, David is saying, I'm better off around the ungodly Philistine than to be around the people of God. I think we all agree the love of the Lord and the kindness of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord is better than that. David, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. And David is doubting that God even cares for him. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said this, to doubt the loving kindness of God is thought by some to be a very small sin. But it is my firm conviction that to doubt the kindness, the faithfulness, and the love of God is a very heinous offense. That's so true. David is in Doubting Castle. He's tired of trusting God for his deliverance. He says, God, you have forgotten me. God, where are you? You know, if we are honest, sometimes we get to that place, don't we? There are times when we get tired of waiting on God. I hate to raise it, but yeah. Any, any other one person? Honest, you in church. You get tired of waiting on God. You get weary. Listen, that's natural. I didn't say it was good. I said it's natural. It happens. But what's more important is what, when you, when you get to that place, is what you do with those thoughts in your heart, Notice what David did in verse 2. David packed up and moved to Gath, a Philistine city. Basically, David runs to the ungodly. Achish is the king of Gath, the king of the Philistines. Now, this is the second time that David has found himself in this city. Chapter 21, David leaves Nob, or Nob, and he goes to Gath. Now, you know the Philistines, if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, I know you know, the Philistines have been longtime enemies of Israel. These are the same guys that David cut 204 foreskins from. This is the city that Goliath came from, Gath. Remember in chapter 21, David is running from Saul and he gets to Gath. Look it up in your own time, chapter 21. David is running from Saul. He arrives in Gath. The people of Gath say, um, aren't you that guy with the number one hit single, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. great song, man. Aren't you him? Yeah, you're him. And David started acting like a crazy man, drooling at the mouth, and he drooled his way out of town. <laughs> Chapter 21, David is in Gath because he is fearful. He's running. Stay with me. He's in Gath in chapter 21 because he's fearful and running. Here in chapter 27, David is in Gath because he's faithless. Faithless. This scenario is all too common. I told you when God's not doing things the way people think they should, it's interesting they run right back to the world, don't they? Right back to the world for refuge. And I can't figure that out because I I don't know why. Why are you running back to the world when it's the world that you ran away from when you came to Christ. And what is it in the world that's so attractive now that you see that wasn't that attractive when you were in the world before you came to Christ? Don't ask me to say that again. (laughs) What's so attractive back there? It's really interesting how people um, go through a trial And instead of running to the Lord, Larry, they run away from the Lord. Instead of running to the Lord, you, they run away from the Lord. Instead of coming to church, they stop coming to church. When church is the place you need to be. If you're going through something, you need to be in church. Because this is where God's going. I'm going to wait while 10 people clap their hands. <laughs> Church is the place where God's going to speak to you. Church is the place where God's going to have a word for you and you're going to get encouraged. Or somebody's going to see that you, you look like you've been hanging out in Dowling Castle. And they go, they're going to come out and go, hey, are you all right? Well, not really. You know, I just, you know, well, issues, situation. Well, let me pray for you. Church is going to be the place where people are going to lift you up and pray for you. Put it this way. I'll tell you this church. I can't speak for nobody else. I'll tell you this church. This is a no-judgment zone. We love them. God, judge them. You need to write that down. We love them. God, judge them. Church is a place you need to be. Again, somebody once said, church is the best place to be but the hardest place to get when you're going through a trial. Isn't that true? So David is running right back to the world. He's running right back to the enemy for refuge. People do strange things when they're depressed or discouraged. Listen, if there's one thing I could, if I could get the church to get a hold of, listen, discouragement and depression and despair is a tool of choice for the enemy. That's his go-to tool.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times,